The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, episode 36. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a dead. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. Hey everybody, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter, a.k.a. Father Fett, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away. Today we're continuing our discussion on the connections and lore of the Mandalorian culture, seen in the animated series The Clone Wars, by discussing Season 3, Episodes 5 and 6, titled Corruption and the Academy. Joining me tonight on the panel are Andrew Hermes. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Father. It's good to be with you. Good to have you back. Definitely. And second up this evening, we have Mike Trevi. Hey, Mike. Hey, how's it going? Good to Very be back. good, yeah. It's good to have you back, too. I think it's been a couple couple podcasts ago that we had you guys. Yeah, so. I, missed, I missed the last one, yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, and that's it for the panel tonight. So us three are going to dive into uh, these two particular episodes of The Clone Wars. So the the first question to throw out to you guys are what what were your impressions of this particular story arc? This story arc uh, is not my favorite. Uh, these are the the type of episodes um, that are kind of low on my list. Uh, this, uh, I mean, with that in mind, there are lots of things I like uh, about these two episodes. Any episode with uh, Ahsoka um, as a main character is usually strong and and. Episode six um, features her, uh, so it has that going for it. But as far as like you know, when the storyline is usually surrounded by corruption and economic crisis, or you know, or something like that, it's it's kind of you know, it's not the most intriguing um, material. Star Wars material. I could say the same things about the prequels. Those the, the, mm-hmm. when the prequels, you know, focus on on that sort of. Uh, those sort of plot plot lines, it's not their strongest uh, efforts. But, you know, I, I think um, there are interesting things that I know we'll get into um, about these episodes and some, some moments that are definitely very uh, captivating. Uh, but overall, they're not my favorite episodes, if I had to say so. Yeah, I would, I would, I would tend to agree. <laughs> um, you know, and it's, it's, I think for me, it's, when it is a a plot line like that that's this is it's kind of hard to to phrase it right you know there's so many things in in star wars that are so much fun in a sense or so rewarding because they do res- resonate with us you know and and you kind of can explore those um those themes and those uh sort of bigger questions and that kind of stuff but in that galaxy so it has some distance from you you know and that that really is something i like about it by the same token with some of these kinds of things, I feel like, I don't know, sometimes I feel like these issues are covered everywhere else. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and, and so it, I guess it's, it loses some of its uniqueness, maybe uh, that might be part of it. But, but I got to say, I watched, uh, I watched this first one uh, with my daughter, who's three. Mm-hmm. And 
I got to give her props because she was she was trying, but she was clearly not as interested in yeah. it. <laughs> and at one point, she's just sitting there staring at it. And we've been going back and forth between um between uh, Clone Wars and and Resistance, which is far more like of a you know I think more kid friendly or a little more you know uh, kid tuned in. So she's sitting there. She ca- she calls Star Wars Resistance Kaz. She just calls it by his name. So she's sitting there for a while, and she's like, she's trying, and then she's like, "Daddy, can can we watch Kaz?" <laughs> so I was like, "Yeah, we'll switch over to that." So I had to come back and finish it later. <laughs> yeah, I I would agree with with both of you. I I still don't have that much experience with with the Clone Wars. So this was. Sort of my first real introduction to, and I wouldn't say introduction, but my first real experience of Ahsoka, kind of as a as a main character, and so it's it's interesting for me to kind of go through it with that, not having a whole lot of other other background. Yeah, I guess I was a bit surprised. I thought she was she would act a little bit more rash, um, in just my generic understanding of her character, but she was kind of the one uh, proposing rationality and slow, a bit of slow. Uh, process with with the cadets in that second episode but also what i what i did appreciate about these these episodes is just some of the the bigger themes that they they draw out uh as we as we're watching these sorts of things um there there seems there seems to be a a thematic theme throughout the the course of the arc and this one seemed to definitely rely on greed and corruption and what that will do to people and and their society so it was it was cool to see that kind of played out a little bit and we'll we'll jump into that as we go along so yeah i'm I'm enjoying getting into clone wars and i and i feel like i'm kind of bouncing around but it's also kind of fun to just do that from my perspective well with with that we'll jump into the 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 recap here and and talk about things and so the the story sets up that it tells us, first of all, of course, that uh, Mandalorian has one neutrality, and we actually talked about that in our last uh, podcast. And because Mandalore is neutral, uh, they have found themselves with uh, very little aid coming to the people, and supplies are hard to come by. And so a black market has kind of dominated the the ability to to bring supplies to to Mandalore. And so Duchess Satine wants to bring in Padme Amidala to um, try to help resolve and figure out the, the situation. And so the, the story starts off with Padme arriving on Mandalore and is greeted personally by, by Duchess Satine. And, and we initially see this parade uh, set up for her arrival, which I thought was kind of, kind of interesting. I wasn't really expecting that. I don't think she was either. Right, but it was yeah. it was it was kind of funny as, <laughs> as uh, I mean she she claimed that she wanted to be to greet Padme personally, and then uh, in reference to the parade, she said, "We are a people of tradition," and I couldn't help but just think that yeah yeah that's so me too. Like we are we are so people of tradition. So as much as that was meant for Padme, I'm sure that was something that they must do for for a lot of uh, dignitaries that come in for those sorts of things. And so we then see this scene between a group of smugglers who arrive on Mandalore and they unload crates of this, uh, we find out it's tea and they're, they're Mugen smugglers. They're from the planet Muga. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, and, and it just, they just happen to be space Egyptians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I'm dying with the moment they get off the ship. I'm like, oh yeah, those guys. <laughs> it was like, it's just so. Like the sandals and the robe and the headdress and everything. I was just like, it was just pretty they're funny, de- I thought. And they're delivering tea. 
you know, <laughs> right? Yeah, stereotypes much. Like yeah. Pharaoh and yeah. <laughs> Do they show up anywhere else in the series? I I don't. I remember them from this episode when I saw them get off the ship, and I, I have to go back and check because I. I haven't dug into it. There's a Wikipedia article, mm-hmm. but I haven't. I haven't looked. I think we do. I, I, they, they. I think they do pop up here and there, but they're very minor. Sure. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's yeah. It's mentioned a few. Yeah, a couple times. They're they're <laughs> the smuggler of the of the week. <laughs> so so yeah. So they they arrive and they they bribe the the customs official to let them deliver this tea. Um, and then the the scene goes to the the where the leaders of Mandalore are gathered together, and and Padme and and Duchess Satine are kind of watching this uh, uh, argument unfold in front of them. And Prime Minister Almec is basically summarizing um, the the situation that trade routes are closed, and that a black market uh, filled with corruption and smugglers are now the only way to get supplies into Mandalore. And this debate on how to resolve the issue kind of comes from that. And Senator Amidala decides to kind of step in and she she voices that the futility of arguing amongst themselves and that claims that proper and legal trade is what's necessary, not this black market. And she offers the Republic's help with security. And I thought this was sort of an interesting argument that, that played out. In particular, I was uh, contemplating a little bit uh, with the mass readings today, um, because in 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 the gospel this evening, um, Jesus is uh, he's the, the scribes are calling him uh, basically he's the devil who's who's expelling other devils. He's uh, you know ba- he's he's worshiping Baezabel and and Jesus kind of responds and he says you know how can how can Baezabel cast out Baezabel? You know a kingdom divided against itself will fall. And so I was just—I had that kind of image in my mind as I was kind of looking at this—that that, that uh, the the Mandalorian uh, culture here is is arguing amongst themselves, and you know, and 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 Padme's right that that arguing doesn't doesn't actually accomplish anything, but uh, they have to they have to work together. And little do we know at the time, but it's actually uh, Prime Minister Almec who is kind of purposely stirring the pot with all of this sorts of things. So. This goes to what I was talking to you a little bit about, you know, before we started recording, and I'm sure I'll get into it a little more later too. But again, that what is their like true identity as 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 a as a mm-hmm. people in terms of Mandalore and um, and her saying that line at the beginning, you know, we, we are a people of tradition, and I just keep thinking like, what tradition? Yeah. Like, you know, so you, you none of you have helmets on, and you're having a party, and there's confetti. But then I've got like in my mind, I've got these, you know, Mandalorians a few decades after this in a sewer with helmets on and the warriors like Death Watch. And so, yeah, it is a very interesting like, how is this all shaping up within their culture? These two very different kind of ideas of, of who this ancient people really is at its core. Um, so, yeah. I think there's a very good possibility that we might see some of that in season seven of the Clone Wars. Yeah, I think. It, didn't they say it's going to largely center around the siege of Mandalore or something like during the Clone Wars? I read somewhere. I don't know. I think that's a likely, yeah. I didn't, I don't know if that's. Like it's like, that's distinct from all the stuff, you know, with uh, the stuff we've seen referenced, but not really, you know, gone into a lot of detail in the Mandalorian with what happened to them, mm-hmm. but and it might be related. I don't know. Yeah. We, we, it's, it'll be good to get that link if they, hopefully they go there. Yeah. And so at that point after uh, Senator Amidala, 
uh, offers the Republic's help, uh, they immediately accuse her of being a hypocrite and and saying that the Republic has more dealings with the black market and corruption than they do, and uh, they fall into more arguing. And Duchess Satine promptly steps up and just stops the arguing and says that they'll reconvene to allow cooler heads to prevail, which I thought was a very good point. Um, don't let emotion dictate how you're going to confront someone. We then get this scene that the, the Mugen smugglers are coordinating with the superintendent of, this, of the schools. They're on Mandalore, and we see them deal with this substance called slabin. And it's a, it's a diluting agent and um, apparently not toxic, but it has to be done mixed uh, with the correct dosage. Otherwise, it can be lethal. But the whole point of this is this will allow them to make twice as much tea for double the profit. And so we see that money is definitely uh, the, the motivating factor here. And the scene goes back to Duchess Satine and Padme, and they're talking about the war. And at one point in that conversation, uh, Duchess Satine just kind of says, let's, let's stop talking about politics. And they decide to go. Uh, visit a new hospital to get away from the politics and to see the good work on the ground that's happening. And I really appreciated that uh, because I think that it, I mean, it, it kind of takes away the, the theoretical and places them into the, the practical, you know, where the rubber meets the road. And, um, and, I, and I think this is something that um, we can get caught up with even in the church. You know, we can, we can kind of uh, you know, focus on, you know, I'm, I'm giving money to, to Catholic charities and I'm doing other, um, sorts of things, you know, giving money to the church. But often we, we miss the link of, of encountering the people themselves who are in need. Um, and so, you know, it's sometimes it's super important to just go help at a soup kitchen or to kind of, you know, get out there and, and, and just encounter people, you know, to, to get away from the theory and the bureau- politics and the bureaucracy and, and uh, get out there personally. Yes, please stop with the politics. <laughs> Star Wars, please stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 There was a lot of that in this one. Yeah, definitely. I, and I, I, in particular, like, it seems so kind of superfluous, too, because it ended instantly before they were done eating. But, like, the dinner mm-hmm. scene, it just, it was so reminiscent to me of, like, her and... And Anakin, like in their little picnic oh, with like those gosh, big like yeah. space tick <laughs> things or whatever they were, like running around and you know, and like talking about what you know what the politics of the Republic are like. And I'm just like, oh, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and again, not not because it's not an important thing, but I just I, some I don't know. Sometimes I personally feel like the way they go, the way they kind of approach, I don't know, just some of the writing for me is it, it's just too. I can't think of the word. It's it's just. Kind of meandering, and it doesn't really seem focused on on what their immediate issue is. Sometimes I don't know. That's just just me. Yeah. It just seems like the same thing a lot of time. The po- the political intrigue and like you know a, a corrupt senator, a prime minister, whoever it is. I mean, it's it's it feels like a an overused you know sort of uh, archetype that Star Wars likes to lean on for some reason, uh, and and a lot of their uh, and in, in a lot of their shows and, and in the films, I don't know. I think, uh, well, I think that's something about George Lucas. <laughs> there, there's something that interests George Lucas when it comes to that sort of uh, material for some reason. And uh, like I said, you see it um, 
all over the place. And then once George took a step back, you know, we, we didn't see that in this newer trilogy, really. And mm. uh, and men and and the TV show, there's none of that either. So I I think it would be fair to say that maybe season seven, uh, will 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 probably follow in Mandalorian's footsteps and not focus on storylines like this. I agree with you. Um, mostly this kind of you know trope of of a corrupt politician and those sorts of things definitely does uh, get old. Um, but I do occasionally like, uh, the, the, the political stories, but, but what I want from them is not, is not necessarily a reflection of what we would see, you know, in our, in our world. Like I, I want Star Wars to be, you know, a form of kind of escapism and, and, you know, it's the science fantasy. And I want to be like, I, I like the political intrigue because it's, it is part of human experience, but I want it to be, I want it to be in a galaxy far, far away. And yeah. and so mm-hmm. what I'm thinking of, and and I I don't know if this this is probably not even a fair comparison, but but in some of the legends novels in the the Fate of the Jedi series, basically at one point the the Sith are infiltrating the the government on Coruscant, and I found that very intriguing on how they used lies and deception to gain those positions of power, but that was such a different form of corruption than just you know someone who's being greedy and wants political power this was this was star wars it right. was sith it was you know that kind of reminds me of a uh, certain leaked script of a certain film <laughs> that <laughs> where the first order might have taken over curasant <laughs> but maybe you know, maybe, could, maybe maybe we could maybe do a podcast use... on that <laughs> <laughs> Father, I think you hit the nail on the head too, because I think that's I I wasn't able to express it, but that's I think that's what I was I think that's what what I was kind of getting at, or what kind of bothers me is that it's with a lot of the conversations. Um, I'm not picking on Padme, but she's because of her role. It's it's very much obviously that it comes from her a lot of times. That it is there really is kind of this this sort of assumption, or or uh, and again I get why because of the, who the characters are, but this assumption that basically. Ultimately, the the solution's going to be a political one. You know, it has to be the non-corrupt political one, and like the perfect government, and like this. It's very utopian kind of thing, like a very you can almost say like materialist, you know, kind of um, aspect to it. And that's why I, I feel like sometimes the 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 Christian analogy kind of doesn't connect in this point. I feel like sometimes as much because it feels to me at least like this doesn't seem to have anything to do with the spiritual reality of it, right? The bigger picture or the force or any of that. It's like if we just get rid of all the corrupt politicians and we just sort of fix the government, you know, like everything will be perfect then. But it's like, but we know with as as a fan watching this with the broader picture of the story, it's like it just, I don't know, for me, it doesn't feel like it's quite getting at the bigger picture sometimes where we know that ultimately it's about you know, good versus evil. It's, it's this fight that, um, I mean, Maz said it so well in episode seven, you know, like the only fight, you know, as she put it, you know, between the dark and the light and, and, um, how she makes that little speech about like, it's, you know, first it was the Sith and then it was the empire. Now it's, you know, so she's seeing that bigger picture. And sometimes I feel like that's not with, you know, certainly some characters who maybe it's not fair to expect them to have that perspective within their place in the story, but when the whole episode revolves just around like we got to get this political fix, I think that's where I'm a little like, eh, no, because I know there's more going on than that. Yeah. <laughs> like as a fan, so I don't know, I, I get a little detached sometimes because of that. I think. 
And maybe part of it too is 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 just there because these are are twenty minute episodes and it is so kind of narrowly narrow focused. You know, they 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 kind of focus in on that that one theme, and and like I kind of mentioned earlier, I mean they they were they seem to be really focused on what greed and, and corruption can do, and so with. 20 minutes for a, for an animated series that is already sort of simplistic in its, <laughs> in its storytelling. Yeah. I think, I think we are all wanting a little bit more, but, but perhaps that's asking a little bit too much from an animated show. And for, for a younger audience too, primarily, I, th- I think it is, it is good to address, mm-hmm. you know, some of these things, you know, like it's, it's not okay to just, you know, the ends don't justify the means, yep. you know, and that's something we all need to learn, you know, yep. and, and so I think it does it does well with with it from that standpoint for sure. Yeah, so we'll keep going on. Uh Padme and and uh Satine go to this go to this hospital uh where they've already start to encounter all of these children who have become sick by this by well by an apparent outbreak and they're not even sure at that point what it uh what what it was. They just know that they've been poisoned. And they Padme and Satine talk with Prime Minister Almec, and he immediately points the finger at Death Watch. And Satine disagrees because she says that Death Watch has always targeted uh, the administration and herself and not the children. And so she is very wary of, of assigning blame to Death Watch. And they, they sort of both note Padme and Satine as they're talking uh, about Almec is that he is showing fairly little concern for the children, uh, but only, only the politics. So a little bit of foreshadowing there. So at that point, Satine recognizes that, that they need to do their own bit of investigation, and she calls her own personal guards to, to help and commissions them to, to keep things amongst themselves, and they go off uh, to investigate. They head to the school, and they, they are inspecting things and, and trying to figure out what's going on, and their, Satine is asking about uh, the food and uh, their drinks, and they they realize fairly quickly that uh, the tea could be the problem. So they get it tested, and that's where they find that it's this uh, slabin has been uh, added to it. Did you guys think it looked kind of like Space Gatorade? <laughs> <laughs> yes, like the bottles. Like it was really. <laughs> yep. I was sort of thinking there's like pomegranate juice in like those circular. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Little oh, yeah, the, the palm juice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. That's yeah. it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Man, do kids really have it rough in Star Wars? I mean, <laughs> from from you know obviously what Anakin did and what Kylo yeah. did, you know at, at the Jedi Academies, and gosh, in oh the Clone gosh. Wars too, they're getting poisoned, and it's it's, it's rough at That's, school. Yeah, at lunch. Exactly, <laughs> it's rough, man. That was my question: is how many kids watched that episode like ten years ago and then went to school the next time? <laughs> yeah. They're like, um, I don't want to. <laughs> the dangers you run into. Just don't drink tea. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Why are kids drinking tea? Like <laughs> they should be drinking milk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. Blue milk or the green <laughs> milk or whatever. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> uh, yeah. So they they start to try to to follow the the, the trail of where this uh, tea came from, and they 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 head to the docks, and they find uh, that the import logs for the tea have been deleted. And the superintendent is with them at that point, and he tries to make a quick escape, and they stop him and confront him. And the superintendent admits that he was trying to cut costs, um, but also admits that he was getting some money personally, too. 
and that he didn't think that it was lethal. As if that's somehow okay and makes it makes it all right. He tells them that he uh, worked with Siddiq, I think is his name, Siddiq. Yeah. Uh, he, he was mm-hmm. uh, the supplier from, from a shipping company. And so Satine and Padme go off and they confront him about it. And I found him very interesting because he is not at all shy about what he's doing. He was just, he openly admitted that he bribed the school official even though it was illegal, and um, claimed that with the war, people turned a blind eye to his operation. And he, I, you guys probably picked this up too, but he claims that he's sorry for the children, but his whole body language and demeanor said mm-hmm. exactly the opposite. Yeah. His feet were propped up on the desk and his arms were behind his head in that kind of relaxed, I don't care manner. And so... Uh, just say trying to yeah save and face, but obviously greedy himself. He leads them to uh to to Muga, which is the the place where the tea came from. Um, and th- they said that that this was owned by the Commerce Guild, and that a shipment was coming uh that day. And so Satine and Padme decide to go spy on this exchange of of the the Mugen smugglers as they deliver the tea. So they do exactly that. They witness this bribe of the customs official and the delivery of the tea. And they then decide to go confront the captain uh, who can't who can't believe it. He he thinks everything is is completely on the up and up. And uh, the customs official under him would never, never do such a thing. Yeah, he he really ate crow uh, pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like this dude does not know who works for him. <laughs> it's just like I was embarrassed for him. I sort of <laughs> kept expecting him to be in on it, so I was sort of surprised that that actually yeah. he wasn't. Yeah, he was just kind of clueless to everything. Like you, you almost wish he had been right. in on it. Like it would, right. it would have been less embarrassing. Right. <laughs> so they bring him along back to the docks, and they they discover this this warehouse uh, where they find the the Mugans and. Uh, Fighting immediately breaks out, uh, and Padme kind of reveals her uh, shooting skills in that in that scene. Uh, she is kind of instrumental in that fight and uh, is able to successfully capture the Mugans. Uh, it reminded me a lot of um, her in Episode Two. Just her, you know she she is a yep. she is a politician. She is a senator, sure, but she also knows how to uh, to wield a blaster and and. Take mm-hmm. out, take out the bad guys. Well, she's Leia's mom, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Every now and then, I'm like, yeah, it's in there somewhere, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and That's it's right. it's Vice. it's good to get more of of her in the Clone Wars than just what we saw in the the movies. Oh yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So they capture capture the Mugans, and uh, Satine orders that that particular warehouse with all the all the tea be burned down. Then they. Tell Prime Minister Almec what happened and that it wasn't Death Watch, but actually just a bunch of black market smugglers. And Satine has already uh, managed to get Antidote to be shipped to the schools for the children. And she recognizes that this isn't over, that there's still definitely corruption going on. And Prime Minister Almec wants to set up a committee to look into it, which I found just hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I deal with enough uh, 
meetings. And <laughs> I know when things are talked about in a committee, I, I think that's also Princess Leia's sort of um, she makes some comment to Han that she's not a committee and she doesn't need to discuss something in a committee. And, you know, if something gets to a committee, it's going to just take forever to, to get solved or any decisions made. So Prime Minister Almuk there is just, again, I think saving face and trying to buy time. Mm -hmm. So the episode ends with uh, Padme leaving, but Satine asks her if, if a Jedi can come to help work undercover to uncover the truth of the corruption on what's going on, and Padme promises to, to speak to, to Master Yoda. So that sort of concludes at least that, that first episode, but, but the next episode is just a direct continuation of the story. And so we learn at the very beginning of this episode that uh, Padme has talked to Master Yoda and that Ahsoka Tano has been tasked to come and assist. And so at the beginning of uh, episode six, the Academy, we see that uh, Anakin is bringing Ahsoka to, to Mandalore and tells her that it's her mission to help educate on the evils of corruption and that she is going to be there alone. And so she, they land and Ahsoka and Anakin meet Prime Minister Almec and Duchess Satine. And Prime Minister Almec expresses concern to Satine about a Jedi teaching their young ones. And Duchess Satine kind of retorts and says that nothing is wrong about exposing them to new ideas. And Anakin then departs because he has to go back to, uh, back to the battle. Kit Fisto was mentioned in that brief moment, which I, he was always mm -hmm. one of my favorites from, from episode two, but he had to go back to, to help. Uh, Master Fisto. He's got he's got some stuff Does in he? Clone Wars. I don't know if you've yeah. seen. Yeah, oh, there's yeah. A, a couple episodes centered around him, which is cool. Yeah, <laughs> I was wondering how he didn't cut how, did, how he doesn't cut like the the dreadlock things <laughs> off. <laughs> I know they're not yeah. called that, but you know, like when he's like that's that's or Yoda taking his ears off for that matter. So we we never addressed that. <laughs> they're just super careful about it. Yeah. And I forgot to mention at that point that Ahsoka had to give her lightsaber back to Anakin, which yeah. was a fun callback to Obi-Wan's Obi visit that uh, because of Obi-Wan's visit, uh, there's a new policy that <laughs> prevents off-worlders from carrying weapons. <laughs> what does she say? She says something like, you know, Master Obi-Wan causing trouble. Yeah. <laughs> like Anakin's like, oh. Right. <laughs> yeah, she does say that. Yep. Then we swap to Ahsoka as her role as a, as a teacher. And so she is teaching this group of cadets about uh, the nature of greed and how it's corrupting many, uh, many government officials. And so she's having that, that conversation with, with the cadets. And, and some of the questions I thought the cadets asked were, were, were pretty good. One of them asked, um, mm -hmm. if you don't trust your leaders, isn't that treason? And, right. and of course, she says that. It's every citizen's duty to challenge their leaders, to keep them honest, and to hold them accountable if they're not. And how do you do this? And she says it's by exposing the corruption. And and I just I think that's a that's a very good thing. Like blind obedience is not mm -hmm. at all you know a good thing, and is not something that we should do. No, I, I was laughing though because the, the teacher in me was like, you know, when they're all sitting around that night talking about everything they learned in class, there was part of me that was like. Yeah, I'd like to think that that's what they do when they go home <laughs> no. from my class, but <laughs> no, yeah, no, <laughs> not so sure. Jump on the Xbox. You know, my kids are, yeah, like my kids are out there, like you know, 
soapbox, like street preaching, <laughs> like on campus. It was like, wow, they really listened. You know, okay. Well, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> you- but I, I like that though. I like their enthusiasm, the idea of like that, you know, how serious they're taking mm-hmm. it. Um, and you know, we don't know who they are yet and I don't want to spoil anything, but that's kind of cool too. Like seemingly just these random, you know, cadets. Mm-hmm. Well, it actually isn't, uh, too much farther along that we find out who at least one of them is. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, because yeah, they, they, in their, in their dorm room, they were, they were discussing the lack of rations and, uh, with all the shipments coming in, they, it wasn't making sense to them. And yeah, because of Ahsoka's lecture, they decide to investigate. And they break into a locked warehouse, a locked government warehouse, and they stumble across this meeting with smugglers and a, and a hooded government official and some of the unmarked policemen that are, are with them, and they, they snap a recording of it, uh, which, <laughs> for, for the plot, it makes perfect sense. But Very it's convenient. Like, right, right. They yeah. just happen to find the right warehouse. They happen <laughs> to, to find a, a meeting happening. Um, yeah, and I and I guess <laughs> I would never have been that brave at that point to to try to break into a government <laughs> warehouse, but they're Mandalorians, so I guess maybe they just have a, a well, deeper yeah. reserve <laughs> yeah, of courage. There it is. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so so they discover this meeting and they're spying on this meeting. They they get a hollow recording of it and they accidentally knock their laptop off and alert uh, the meeting to the fact that there's eavesdroppers. And they they run away and barely escape through the the hatch just in time uh, before the police can catch them. Is it just me, or is in in like all the animated shows, whenever bad guys are chasing good guys, like it just looks like they're running so slow. I don't yeah, know. If I, I do notice if that it's just an animation yeah, thing, I, isn't it? Like it, it it looks like they're yeah. I can't describe. You just have to kind of like go back and watch it. But it always looks like they're running at a like abnormally slower speed. No, that's something I do notice. I don't know. Yeah, and, and, and it's it's specifically with with Clone Wars too. It's uh, yeah, it, yeah. There's something yeah. about when whenever there's you know action or like you said, there's running. There's something about the the way it's animated that just seems off. And you know this this was ten yeah. years ago, so uh, you mm-hmm. know I, I guess yeah. It's like the, it's like the motion of it, or it doesn't line up. Like yeah, yeah just it, no matter what they do, it just like I think it's like the camera's moving, or well, it looks yeah. like the camera's moving quick, but it's like they just look kind of like they're trotting yeah you know like in relation to it so (laughs) it always seems to take the edge off a little bit yeah i wasn't really worried at all (laughs) but so they they do escape and and head back to to their dorm and they they discuss what to do and that's where we realize that one of the cadets is named corky and that he says that they should speak to his aunt who's satine and so they all trapes over to Satine's office and tell her about this whole thing that happened, um, about how they know that there's abundant food and um, in this government warehouse and that it's being prevented from being distributed. And that's what's raising the prices, the food in the city. And they got a recording and they're very, very concerned about what's going on. And Satine listens to them and then tells them that the evil be- may be more than they can handle and tells them to stay out of it. And they, of course, decide not to. Of course. I, I can't help myself. I just, what, I, I wrote down my note, uh, you know, what kind of name is Corky? <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, well, for a Star Wars character. No, I just had to laugh. <laughs> it's just one of those Star Wars names that you're just like, 
I don't know where it came from, but it works for some reason. Well, and I I have a corky in my parish, but it's a she. Right, yeah. Yeah, and I've 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 known of one or two, but it's it's yeah, it's just like such a random name. It makes you because you know, someone's sitting around writing this at some point, and like it makes you wonder, like, what's the first reaction when someone sees the script? Like yeah. Corky? We're going with Corky, okay. There might be there might be right. a story behind it, because a lot of times it yeah, a lot be. of times these writers uh yeah. will come up with names from personal, you know, experiences or people that they actually know. So right. who knows? Maybe maybe we could find yep. something about that. Well, and it makes you wonder if they have some sort of like generic like naming policy. Like how do you make a Star right. Wars name? Like do they have like there's gotta be a Star Wars name generator on Google oh, or something. Sure. I, would, the, I mean there's by probably this more than point. One. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the cadets decide that Satine uh refused to help them and that they have to go do something and they decide to go to Prime Minister Almec, who is the second most powerful person on the planet. And they talk to him over a hollow recording and he tells them to meet him that evening in the plaza. And immediately at my, at my, I kept saying to myself, like, uh oh, don't do it. Don't do it. Something's not going to go right. This is no. But they're a bit naive in their, in their idealism and they decide to go ahead with the meeting. But they also, during that day in class, they just tell Ahsoka what happened. Um, and she, urges them to be stacked slowly and rationally, which I thought was was interesting. Yeah, she really took that news better than I do when like someone turns something in late. <laughs> you know, she's like, was that the best idea? I'm like, whoa, man, she's really level headed right now. <laughs> yeah. So but it but it sets up the fact that she knows what they did and knows that they have this meeting uh that evening with the Prime Minister. Because of course the next scene is the cadets go to meet the prime minister and are immediately ambushed by by the secret service and the prime minister isn't even there and they they the, a fight breaks out and it's at that point that thankfully Ahsoka joins the fight and is able to help the cadets win that particular skirmish and she quickly points out that the that the prime minister set them up and she has this cool hollow recording contraption that she was able to then take their hollow recording of the meeting and focus it on the government official who they couldn't see because he was hooded. And she manages to uncover that that person is, was the, the prime minister. Uh, and that immediately then reveals that the, the corruption and greed that Satine has been worried about has gone all the way up to the top. This is the Star Wars version of Enhance. Like, <laughs> you know, like a, it's an episode of CSI where like you know what can you zoom in on that you know horribly pixelated <laughs> video and then add yep. the enhanced algorithm and then all of a sudden it's a clear picture of who the the suspect is so yeah that's so many times something like that could have come in handy <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> for like for far less important life things than that. it's the the magic of of technology in any prime drama <laughs> exactly so they they decide to go warn Satine, but Satine has already, of course, been captured by that point because Almec learned that Satine had known about this encounter with with the cadets, and they, uh, with Ahsoka with them, they decide to go and confront uh, Prime Minister Almec, but not directly confront him. They have this kind of covert plan, sort of set up that Ahsoka is going to bring him the four cadets as prisoners for conspiracy and they're going to try to 
to figure out where Satine is and, and rescue her. And so they, Ahsoka brings the cadets to this prison facility and hands them off to the prime minister and the guards who take them into the, to the prison. And Ahsoka and the prime minister talk and she discovers that Satine has indeed been captured, but he won't, dis- he won't disclose where she is. So Ahsoka goes into the prison to, to talk to the cadets and, uh, she tells Satine that or she tells them that she is going to find Satine and they need to just kind of sit and wait and act when Ahsoka gives the signal. And that was sort of just a very typical Jedi thing to say. Like, they ask, like, well, how do we know what, what signal it is? And she goes, oh, you'll know it when you see it. Like, okay. <laughs> she really insists on that. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, seriously, you'll know. She uh, then leaves the the cell where the, the cadets are and she quote-unquote, force persuades the guard to take her to Satine. And the guard acts like he's been persuaded and takes her to Satine. And Ahsoka opens the cell where Satine is, and Satine immediately throws out the Admiral Akbar line that it's a yep. trap. Yep. And Prime Minister Almec arrives and tells the, the sergeants to stop play-acting and... Uh, he says that his guards have been trained against such archaic magic as the Force Persuasion. Now, I I didn't know that that was on the table. I was thinking about it, you know, like, uh, was it, what did Obi-Wan say about it? You know, basically something to the effect of, you know, for like, for, you know, weak-willed or sort of like not too intellectually gifted folks, you know, like, or, or you know, that aren't really on their guard, essentially, you know, the, the mind trick can be very effective and like Watto is like impervious mm-hmm. to it. But I, I, yeah, I didn't, I don't recall a whole lot of like training discussed of, of how to resist it. I don't know. Not for Jedi or something, but yeah, that was an interesting detail I forgot about. It was also at that point that I found the connection to the Mandalorian. Um, and it's a super, super oh. small connection. But in uh, chapter eight of the Mandalorian, when the, the, the armorer is talking to, to the group about the, the Jedi or the, about the Force and, and, she says, and I pulled this from my notes from that episode, but she says, the songs of Eon's past tell of battles between Mandalore the Great and an order of sorcerers called Jedi that fought with such power. Yes. So there is at least That's this right. similar, they, they talk about the force, about, you know, archaic magic or, you know, sorcerers and that right. they mm. have the similar language there. So okay. yeah, I hadn't thought of that. That's a good point. Not a huge connection, but, but a small one. Um, so. Prime Minister Almec uh, immediately is happy because he is able to get Ahsoka to reveal herself as a conspirator, and he then stuns her and tries to get Duchess Satine to sign this confession, of um, which would label her as a traitor and to the people, and she refuses to do that and, you know, of course, calls the Prime Minister a traitor. And then we get the Prime Minister taking ownership of what what he's done and he is he said that he has established the black market because of the war and he's claims that the it's to purchase humanitarian supplies for mandalore which is complete bogus i mean mm. sure there there's some there's some supplies that are getting to mandalore but it's it's of course the pride and the greed and what he benefits from it he orders the cadets to be brought up to uh the prime minister um, because he wants to put this stun collar 
on Corky and to convince Duchess Satine to sign this confession. And right kind of when that's going to happen, Ahsoka breaks free and begins to, to fight back. And the cadets realize that that's the moment to act. And they fight as well. And in all the fighting, Ahsoka manages to take this, this shock collar off Satine and put it onto the prime minister, who then finally at that point surrenders and is put into the prison cell. Then that's sort of kind of the, the end of the episode. We sort of, it's, it, it wraps up really by Anakin arriving back on Mandalore to retrieve Ahsoka, uh, the, the bad guy. Uh, the prime minister has been caught and put in, in a prison cell. And we have a snarky sort of comment between Anakin and Ahsoka, uh, where Anakin is sort of reprimanding her for how risky it was for her to get involved uh, in helping untrained children overthrow a corrupt government. And she kind of throws it back at him and says, this is, you know, it's nothing you wouldn't have done. And, and then they depart. And that's where that particular episode ends. So I kind of wanted to jump into, I mean, obviously the, the main themes of the whole story arc is, is greed. And, and so I just, um, I kind of jotted down a few things and found some, some uh, good insight and, and, uh, and quotes that I just kind of wanted to share with everybody. I mean, Greed, uh, it definitely in the, in the Catholic tradition, is considered one of the seven capital sins or the seven deadly sins. And so it's um, definitely uh, not, a, not a very good thing. And so uh, to back up just a little bit from, from that, to put these in perspective, you know, we talk about virtue and vice, right? And, and virtue is uh, a hab habitual and firm disposition to do the, the good. And the moral virtues are acquired through human effort aided by God's grace. And when we turn away from that and form a habit that is contrary to the, um, to the will of God, um, that's what we consider to be vice, a habit acquired by repeated sin in violation of the proper norms of human morality. And the vices are often linked with the seven deadly sins. And greed is one of those seven deadly sins, the others being pride, envy, wrath, lust, gluttony, and sloth. And the catechism calls them capital because they engender other sins. They lead to, to other sins and other vices. So I, I just, I kind of would, would throw that out there to, to you guys on just, you know, the, the, these episodes sort of try to, try to show what, what greed will do. You know, greed is the reason why those children were, were poisoned and greed made the the superintendent and and prime minister Almec more concerned about their own their own temporal goods than than the good of the people um and shows the the wrongness of that again in kind of the the simplistic way that the the clone wars is able to do well it's so interesting cuz it's you know like you think of greed we think of um like inordinate desire cuz you know a lot of times it can be for for something that is intrinsically good mm -hmm. like the object uh, whatever, uh, food, uh, security for your family, you know, whatever the case may be, some of the things that some of the people in these episodes would point to as like their excuse, but that inordinate question, you know, that creeps in. Uh, I just did an etymology thing because I was curious, you know, avarice, the, the Latin root, um, uh, I didn't realize this has its root in the notion of grasping. Okay. Hmm. Um, and I thought, hmm, that sounds like real early in Genesis kind of, you know, like, <laughs> You know, like literally grasping for the fruit. I mean, you want to go back to the very beginning. 
you know, so this is clearly something that uh, this theme does resonate with us because I think it's, I mean, it's, it's the, it's so connected to the origin of everything that's wrong in the first place. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I think uh, it's, it's definitely a good, a good theme to take up and to explore this way. Mm-hmm. Even though what I, what I said, I still do like, that was more of like my Star Wars fandom, I think, aspect of me earlier. I was kind of griping a little bit, but no, it's a very important theme. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, obviously it being a common theme and and what and watching it through the perspective of you know the political corruption uh, that we see. I mean, that's one of the easiest ways to portray greed is you know a, a prime minister seemingly saying he's trying to do something for the better good, like we were saying earlier. It's all about how the ends don't justify the means, but you know clearly uh, we see past that and and that. Uh, the, at the root of greed, you know, the the definition of it is, is 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 where your concerns are more for the material things, and you have a lack of your you have a lack of uh, concentration on what really matters on and and ultimately a, a lack of empathy and and a lack of faith in God and in anything that's eternal or that that is good because your your priorities are not in the order that they should be obviously because again greed at the end of the day is this you're being selfish you're being unneighborly it's it's and that's what makes it an injustice because it affects other people and you know uh, uh, this is a good way in an animated you know cartoon that's a that's geared towards kids even though it's maybe it might be at times like we've said you know all along maybe a little too political or uh i don't think it's too heady i think i think most kids can can keep up with it and and realize you know like oh well he's a bad guy you know it mm-hmm. doesn't make you know he's you know even though he thinks he's doing something good it's it's really not right and and because obviously star wars is is force feeding it, 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 it's not subtle about who's bad and who's good it's something we see uh, time and time again and uh, maybe uh, we can see it more nuanced in, in other episodes or in other star wars lore but uh, in these two episodes, uh, I think it gets the message across at the very least. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's something that hopefully, you know, as kids are watching it, they can uh, kind of, I mean, apply it to their own lives, right? I mean, we're none of us are in positions of being a, a prime minister or, you know, that political greed that is portrayed. But everybody can experience that temptation to greed, you know that that inordinate love of of the things of this world, whether it is money or whether it is toys or whether it is whatever it is that we're collecting around ourselves, we can all recognize that 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 inordinate desire for the collection of those things is is detrimental. It's harmful to ourselves. It's harmful to other people. And I would throw out: uh, I have this really uh, hard hitting quote uh, from Saint John Vianney that I would like to to share with you guys. And he says the, the following about, about greed. He says, Avarice is an inordinate love of the goods of this world. Yes, my children, it is an ill-regulated love, a fatal love, which makes us forget the good God, prayer, the sacraments, that we may love the goods of this world, gold and silver and lands. The avaricious man is like a pig, which seeks its food in the mud, without caring where it comes from. Stooping towards the earth, he thinks of nothing but the earth. He no longer looks towards heaven. His happiness is no longer there. The avaricious man does no good till after his death. 
See how greedily he gathers up wealth, how anxiously he keeps it, how afflicted he is if he loses it. In the midst of riches, he does not enjoy them. He is, as it were, plunged in a river and is dying of thirst. Lying on a heap of corn, he is dying of hunger. He has everything, my children, and dares not touch anything. His gold is a sacred thing to him. He makes it his divinity. He adores it. Wow. <laughs> like, like pretty, pretty pointed words. Yeah. So there. <laughs> right. Mic drop. Yeah. Seriously. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, that was, and, and I had um, been intrigued by, not nearly that in depth, but, but um, uh, Pope Francis had said in 2017, talking about um, the negligence for uh, suffering people, especially children who don't have uh, medicine or refugees and that kind of thing. And uh, he had this quote, kind of blew my mind. He, he described the greed, you know, of those who don't do anything about that as uh, as idolatry that kills and makes human sacrifices to the god of money. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah. ouch, yeah. you know, like that. But yeah, that same kind of um, like just putting it out there to to really question what your like, what are your motives? You know, how how committed are we really? Uh, you know, to the the people that need us, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. You know, what's 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 my god ultimately? And that's the that's the big yeah. one. And all this is to say that that the things of this world are not bad. Uh, you know, we don't we don't want to fall into uh, I think it's Manichaeanism where you know the the spirit's good and the body's bad. Like the the things of this world are good. Uh, money is is necessary in itself. Is, it isn't bad. It's of course uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. Right. So we're called to be to be good stewards of the earth and the things of this earth, but we're we're supposed to use them as as means to an end, and that end being God and love of neighbor, not an end being how much can I gather around myself and keep for myself, which ultimately doesn't work. I also like to to throw out to people uh, often in homilies if I if this topic comes up, I'll I'll tell them that um, you'll never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Mm. <laughs> you know, and, and like people <laughs> laugh at it, right? But because it's such a jarring yeah. image, but it's such a, a pointed image that, you know, at the end of the day, we're not, we can't take any of this with us. So what, what are we living for? What are we using this stuff for? Yeah. Um, and we're, we're supposed to be using it for, for love of God and love of neighbor. So yep. yeah. Do you guys have any other <laughs> thoughts? Well said. Very well said. <laughs> um, no, yeah, the only thing I would just say is, is, uh, you know, I keep, as far as beyond the the immediate kind of arc here, I keep, of course, with this Mandalorian connection that we're we're pursuing here. I I have so many questions, of course. You know, I keep trying to pay attention for little details and things. I hope because uh, I if I did my math right, looking at some of the timelines, I, I think this arc we're, we're somewhere in the neighborhood of thirty years before you know the events of the Mandalorian show, mm-hmm. which I don't know exactly how old Din Djarin's supposed to be, but you know. It, this is we're all over. I mean, it's Death Watch that saved him. Like you know, to see them live action, you know, uh, in the end of that series was neat because it really connected back to this, the Clone War period, those big battle droids and stuff. So this, that stuff's going on somewhere. So yeah, it'll be really interesting to see if they somehow. I, I think it'd be so cool if they somehow make a, a more direct connection than we even expected in season se- or in uh, yeah season seven of Clone Wars with, with that, because I, I, they know what they're doing, you know? <laughs> so it'll be kind of cool to see how that all fits in. Yeah, and I think they, they announced this um, 
I think the last time we recorded, it hadn't been announced, but I think, uh, I, I'm forgetting the date now, February 21st, uh, I think is the date. It's a Friday. Yeah, that sounds right. Is the, the, the release date of, of the first episode of season seven streaming, and then they will be released weekly after that. Oh, that might have changed on me because I, I had a different date. <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure I mark yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and listeners, as you're listening, we will be reviewing those every two episodes. We'll do a podcast where we review the, the two episodes that have already streamed, and we'll be doing those as soon as they're released. So that one. And the, the trailer for that season looked really cool. The one they just dropped yes. a few days ago at the time of this recording. Yes. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, they did. It's, yeah, it's the 21st. They pushed it back on me. I've had a countdown on the back board of my classroom. So now I have to bump it up. <laughs> <again>. <laughs> yeah, it was well, I think the 17th, at one point. That's depressing. I, I think there was, <laughs> yeah, it was, there was yeah. rumor that it was gonna, there was going to be two episodes released that week. Oh, um, okay. But it was oh, okay. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, okay. Yeah. So Friday the twenty first would be the first, the first drop. Gotcha. So. Nice. All right. Okay. Well, that's it from us, listeners. What did you think of these episodes of the Clone Wars? And of course, you can uh, email us your your comments, or you can comment on our Facebook or Twitter page uh, to let us know what you thought. Our email here is starwars at sqpn.com, and you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash starquestmedia, and on Twitter at sqpn. We'd like to take, of course, a moment now to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create The Secrets of Star Wars and all the shows here, including Maritza A., G. Ray, Jamie L., Peter G., and Roddick K. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Star Wars and all the shows here at StarQuest. And you can join them by going to sqpn.com slash give. Also, be sure to subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or you can always follow us on the SQPN YouTube channel to hear and watch uh, our episodes. And you can find previous episodes of The Secrets of Star Wars at sqpn.com slash Star Wars. And so we'll be back in a couple weeks when we will continue chasing down these random connections um, and lore, often probably more random than anything, but of the Mandalorian culture as seen in The Clone Wars. And for the next episode, we will be looking at Season 3, Episode 10, and Season 4, Episode 14. So until then, Andrew Hermes, thanks for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Wars. It was a pleasure. Thank you. And Mike Creevy, thanks for joining us this evening as well. Oh, I'm, I'm always absolutely blown away. This is a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. We have, all of us have lots of fun with this. <laughs> and once again, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. <laughs>